Our loving Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your love, for your goodness, for your mercy, and your kindness. We thank you, Father, for giving us the privilege of life. We want to know you more, and we have come here to fellowship with you that we may study your word and get to know you more. We pray, Father, that you grant us of your spirit graciously, abundantly. Open our minds, Lord, open our hearts to understand the deep truths that you have prepared for us and consecrate me to your service. Put your words in my mouth that I may speak blessings to your children. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. That I may know him. January 25. The meaning of Christ's baptism. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. Matthew chapter 3 verse 13. Many had come to John to receive the baptism of repentance, confessing their sins. Christ came not confessing his own sins, but guilt was imputed to him as the sinner's substitute. He came not to repent on his own account, but in behalf of the sinner. Christ honored the ordinance of baptism by submitting to this rite. In this act, he identified himself with his people as their representative and head. As their substitute, he takes upon him their sins, numbering himself with the transgressors, taking the steps the sinner is required to take and doing the work the sinner must do. After Christ rose up from the water, he walked out to the bank of Jordan and bowed in the attitude of prayer. As the believer's example, his sinless humanity supplicated support and strength from his heavenly Father as he was about to commence his public labor as the Messiah. Never before had angels listened to such a prayer as Christ offered at his baptism and they were solicitous to be the bearers of the message from the Father to his Son. But no, direct from the Father issues the light of his glory. The heavens were opened and beams of glory rested upon the Son of God and assumed the form of a dove in appearance like burnished gold. The dove-like form was emblematical of the meekness and gentleness of Christ. From the opening heavens came these words, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Notwithstanding the Son of God was clothed with humanity, yet Jehovah with his own voice assures him of his sonship with the Eternal. In this manifestation to his Son, God accepts humanity as exalted through the excellence of his beloved Son. Christ's prayer on the banks of the Jordan includes everyone who will believe in him. The promise that you are accepted in the beloved comes to you. God said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Christ has cleaved the way for you to the throne of the infinite God. Amen.
The title of our devotion for today is The Meaning of Christ's Baptism. So let us go into it to understand this. Now, Christ has grown to a man, 30 years of age, and the Bible in the book of Matthew chapter 3, reading from verse 1 to 6, it says, In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's verse 2. Now verse 5 and 6 says, Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan, and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. From here, we see that the baptism of John was the baptism of repentance, and the people who took part of it confessed their sins, and then they baptized. So to partake of this baptism is to proclaim yourself a sinner. Surely one who is sinless need not partake of this baptism, but should himself be the one baptizing others. Even John himself said so. In the book of John chapter 1 verse 26 and 27, it says, John answered them, that's the Pharisees who were questioning him as to why he was doing what he was doing. He answered them saying, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you whom ye know not. He it is, who coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoes latchet I am not worthy to unloose. And in Matthew 3 verse 11 and 12, he said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Wow. John was on fire here when he was speaking about Jesus. You can't speak any better with such um, exaltation about Jesus. This very high exaltation that, that John was giving to Jesus, the Messiah. John himself was expecting that this, the Messiah, when he comes, will be one who will perform even a greater and more significant baptism than the one which he was doing and he was not wrong to think so he introduced jesus in this manner but in thinking so he also believed that if you are going to give the baptism of the holy ghost and you're going to baptize people with fire that means you yourself will not need to partake of the baptism of repentance but the next few verses shows that john the baptist had a surprise package waiting for him a very surprising one at that. Verse 13 and verse 14 now says, Then Jesus came to Galilee to John to be baptized by him in the Jordan River. What did we read in verse 11 and 12? John was saying, This man is going to come and baptize you with Holy Ghost and with fire. His fan is in his hand. He will thoroughly purge and all of that. And then the next thing, Jesus now comes to baptize. In verse 14 he says, But John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you and yet you come to me. He's a very humble and faithful man, this John the Baptist. He was willing to quit his work of baptizing and for Jesus to take over. Have you wondered what a shock it must have been for John that the man whom he had been exalting, one whose shoe latchet is unworthy to unloose, the one who he said is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear, he shall baptize you with Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand. He will thoroughly purge his floor, gather his wheat into the garner, he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. But here is that man, 
and he recognizes him because God showed it to him. But strangely and shockingly, the Messiah himself requests to be baptized. If I were to be in John's shoes, I would be so, so confused. You are the Messiah. You are above this. You are sinless. You are holy. You are righteous. You are the Son of God. This baptism is for sinners. People who partake of it confess their sins. They need repentance. Why do you want to partake of it? Can you feel John's confusion? Verse 15 says, So Jesus replied to him, Let it be so now, for it is right for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then John yielded to him. Amen. This yielding must have been one of faith and not one of knowledge and understanding. But what followed was another marvel for John and all who stood there that day. A very rare occurrence took place and blessed and honored are the eyes that saw the Holy Spirit as a dove as we read in color of burnished gold and blessed and honored are the ears who heard that day for they heard the sweet marvelous voice of their maker himself as he spoke verse 16 and 17 he said after jesus was baptized just as he was coming up out of the water the heavens opened and he saw the spirit of god descending like a dove and coming to rest on him and a voice from heaven said this is my beloved son in whom i am well pleased and in another version says this is my one dear son in whom I take great delight. What a marvelous experience for the faculties of man to contemplate. The Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, the Godhead all in one place. That night must have been a very thoughtful one for John. And if I were him, I would contemplate these things. It will cause much thought for me. The title of our devotion is the meaning of Christ's baptism. And that's exactly what we want to understand now. So John, let us follow him. He must have gone back that night to study his Bible again because something happened contrary to what he believed. And let us do the same thing now because we are where John was. Something is happening and we want to understand why did Jesus baptize? Long ago, it was prophesied by Isaiah. So John will go to Isaiah 53, reading from verse 4 to 6 saying surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows yet we did esteem him stricken smitten of god and afflicted but he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities the chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed all we like sheep have gone astray we have turned everyone to his own way and then the next the next statement would cause contemplation for us now. It says, And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This passage talks about the Messiah. And in verse 10, it says that it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He had put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. Though John may not have understood this passage because in their time, all of them understood that the Messiah was someone who was going to deliver them from the hands of the, their oppressors. Though John still knew that there was need for repentance, yet his understanding of the Messiah was more of a man who would come and deliver them from their oppressors while still requiring repentance from the people. That's what he understood. But then as we read Isaiah 53 verse 4 to 6, we see something that we must take to cognizance the Lord laid on Jesus all our iniquities. 
And what does this mean? Second Corinthians 5 verse 21 makes us to understand the depth. What does it mean that God laid on him? Does it mean he is just dying for our sins? That's all. No. It's not just that he's dying for our sins. Second Corinthians 5 verse 21 says, For he hath made him to be sin for us. Who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him? Amen. Christ did not just say, Oh, I'm going to give myself to die for their sins. He took it. He was made sin for us. And thereby, he had to bear responsibility for sins that he did not commit. He came that day. Let me not use my words. Let's just go back to the devotion because I, these are very delicate, sacred matters that if you use your own words, you can misconstrue it. So let's read it. That I may know him, page 31, paragraph 2. Many had come to John to baptize, the baptism of repentance, confessing their sins. Christ came not confessing his own sins, but guilt was imputed to him as the sinner's substitute. So, why did Christ baptize? He was guilty, not because of his sins, but because of the sins that were imputed to him. Let's look at it from the perspective of righteousness. When we believe in Jesus Christ, his righteousness is imputed to us. Do we say, oh, it's no longer my righteousness? Yes, it is Christ's righteousness, but it's imputed to you and it is your righteousness. God takes it to be that because of Christ, you are righteous. Yes, it is Christ's righteousness, but you are taking responsibility for it. It is now your righteousness. But then, conversely, another thing takes place. Your sin, which was in you, is taken away from you and it is imputed to Christ. And it now, though it is your sin, just as we say it was Christ's righteousness, Jesus takes responsibility for it. And he needs to pass through and get whatever it is that the sinner gets. Just like you get whatever it is the righteous man gets. We are not worthy of, ra- of being in the kingdom of God. We are not worthy of eternal life. We are not worthy of paradise. We are not worthy of any mansions. But those things are going to be given to us by virtue of the fact that we are now seen as sons of God. As righteous people. That is your gift. But conversely, as Jesus takes our sins... He also has to do what the sinner does. As you get the gift of the righteous, Jesus does get, he has to pass through what the sinner would pass through. So continuing the reading, it says, But guilt was imputed to him as the sinner's substitute. He came not to repent on his own account, but in behalf of the sinner. Christ honored the ordinance of baptism by submitting to this rite. In this act, he identified himself with his people as their representative and head. As their substitute, he takes upon him their sins, numbering himself with the transgressors, taking the steps the sinner is required to take, and doing the work the sinner must do. End of quote. Do you get it? He has to do it because he takes responsibility for a sin that he did not commit, for the sins of the whole world, showing us what we must do in order to become sons of God. More on that later. So this was one reason for Christ's baptism. He repented for our sins. Jesus himself gives the reason for this baptism. He said that it was to fulfill all righteousness. The righteousness being referred to here that was being fulfilled was twofold. One, he bore the sins of the world and was not repenting for his own sins but for the sins of the world. But then again, he was showing us the example, what we must do in order to enter the kingdom of God. We read that he takes upon him their sins, numbering himself with the transgressors, taking the steps. So that's the example there. Taking the steps the sinner is required to take and doing the work the sinner must do. In Luke chapter 1 verse 35, remember something that we read. It says there that Gabriel the angel said to Mary, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the higher shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing, 
which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. This is the process for us to become the Son of God. The way Jesus became the Son of God. 1 John 5, reading from verse 4 to 8, tells us something very important. So let's recall the lessons we learned when we were looking at the babe of Bethlehem. It says in verse 4 to, 5, 4 to 8 of 1 John 5, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. How was Jesus born? He was born of God from the womb. We just read in Luke 1 verse 35. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. What is the victory? You must be born of God by faith. Now verse 5 says, Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ. Not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. So three things are brought up. Jesus was born by water and blood, and then the Spirit testifies. Now verse 7, John says, For there are three that testify in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. Now, verse 8 is our key point. And there are three that bear witness on earth. The Spirit, and the water, and the blood. And these three agree in one. Why is this passage important? John had something about this thing called Spirit, water, and blood. He was always mentioning it. The depth of what John was trying to say is what we're trying to get now. We read that Jesus was born of the Spirit. John 3, verse 3 to 7. John tells us about Jesus' teaching about being born again. When he was speaking to Nicodemus, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born again when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, do you, did you see what John said earlier in 1 John 5 verse 8? The spirit, the water, and the blood. Jesus now is saying, you must be born of water and of the spirit. Now in verse 6 he says, that which is born of flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again. So, Jesus is here saying to us, in order for us to inherit the kingdom of God, there are steps we must take. Jesus took a step in baptizing. And that baptism is the born again experience practically done. In order for us to inherit the kingdom of God, we must have the same kind of birth that Jesus had, which is to be born of the Spirit. Jesus said, That which is born of flesh is flesh, and flesh cannot inherit the kingdom of God. It is Spirit. We must be born of the water out of the Spirit. Now, let us go back to our previous lesson. Jesus did not need to baptize, He was without sin. He was born not of the flesh, but of the Spirit through the incarnation and this same experience of being born of the spirit he wanted to show us he didn't need it we have already seen he baptized yes because of guilt but then the second one is what i'm focusing on that he wanted to show us the steps that the sinner must take in order to receive eternal life to be in the kingdom of god so what is the step? Jesus himself was already going to be in the kingdom of God. He did not need baptism. So we need to have that same experience. Jesus was, was born not of the flesh but of the spirit through the incarnation. And this is the experience of being born of the spirit that he wanted to show us how we can have it. It is through baptism that we get the experience of being born of water and of the spirit. Jesus was born of the water 
he came by water and blood and said that he was born of the spirit we can have the same experience and baptism is the ordained way that jesus has installed for us to partake of his birth because his birth was an advantage born of the spirit but it is not an advantage over us but over sin and you also have that advantage over sin which is that you can have that experience of being born of the spirit through baptism because this is the only way being born of the spirit born of the water is the only way to be saved jesus himself in his own words said in mark 16 verse 16 he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved but he that believeth not shall be damned amen if you go to john chapter 3 verse 3 and 5 let us read what jesus said again to nicodemus verily verily i say unto thee except a man be born again they cannot see the kingdom of god and in verse 5 he said except a man be born because what does it mean to be born again verse 5 to be born of water and of the spirit he cannot enter the kingdom of god jesus was already born of the spirit he did not need this baptism the only reason he did it was to show us an example now in that example he was born of water and of the spirit that was what, what the, that was the example he was showing us and this is the process of becoming the son of god because as jesus baptized what happened a voice was heard in heaven and the spirit of god came upon him as a dove is it that he didn't have the spirit before he did have the holy spirit but this is just showing us exactly what would happen what god wants to do for you to get make us to have faith in that ordinance of baptism it is the process of being born again when we are born the first time of flesh we cannot inherit the kingdom of god like that we need to be born of the spirit and that is the way jesus was born and he could inherit the kingdom of god without that baptism but he showed us the example that we too can be born again and then we when we understand this this privilege of what the angel said that thing that holy thing shall be called the son of god i come back to this wonderful revelation first john 3 verse 1 you now understand why john said behold what manner of love the father had bestowed upon us that we we you and me sinful people like us have the opportunity to actually be the sons of god not just to be called but to be the sons of god though john said that we should be called remember the angel said it that holy thing which shall be born shall be called that's the word and john is saying here that we should be called but there was a reason the angel said he will be called the son of god because the holy ghost will come upon mary and as what the angel said and that it will overwhelm her and unless we are overwhelmed unless the holy ghost comes upon us we cannot be the sons of god so you can't just go around saying i'm the son of god i'm the son of god you need to be baptized of water and also be baptized of the spirit and this experience of being born again is not something that was just instituted only in the days of jesus before the time of jesus and john the baptist there was a symbolic um, experience of baptism that the children of god had there was always the experience of being born of the spirit it's not something that is just new people were always being born of the spirit you don't need to go into the water to be born of the spirit the holy spirit is always working our hearts and, and he's 
work of conversion on us is what it means to be born of the spirit and conversion is about changing your ideas changing your views into god's own seeing things the way god sees it's only the spirit that can do that for us and then changing our practices a reformatory process but then there must be the open proclamation even if the holy spirit has been working in our hearts we have to pass through this experience of being baptized of the water there are some people like cornelius who were baptized of the spirit before they even got baptized by the water and that shows you there's a need for the two of them while peter was speaking to cornelius and his family there was evidence that the spirit of god had baptized them and then peter baptized them with the water we also it's not as if you must baptize with the water first before you're baptized by the spirit the born again experience takes place gradually the holy spirit walking on the heart and transforming us into the image of our lord and savior jesus christ and then we understand that there's an ordinance that we must perform in going to be baptized of the water because this is the step the sinner must take in order to be the son of god like i was saying it's not a new experience in the book of first corinthians 10 verse 1 and 2 Paul said this, Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. So, there was some kind of baptism then. But today, we still understand that this is a blessing given to us to be baptized, to become the sons of God. And Jesus baptized because our devotion is saying the meaning of Christ's baptism. The meaning of it is not that he needed to repent of his own sins, but it was that the guilt of the world was placed upon him and he was taking the steps that the sinner needs to take in order to be in the kingdom of God. Then we still learn other lessons from here. In that I may know him, page 31, paragraph 3. We are told, after Christ rose up from the water, he walked out to the bank of Jordan and bowed in the attitude of prayer. As the believer's example, his sinless humanity supplicated support and strength from his heavenly Father as he was about to commence his public labor as the Messiah. End of quote. And we saw what happened that the Holy Ghost descended upon him as a dove, and also the Father spoke from heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And we have seen also that the, the reason why the Holy Ghost took the form of a visible dove coming upon Jesus, the color being of burnished gold, in that I may know him, page 31, paragraph 4, it says it, that that dove-like form was emblematical of the meekness and gentleness of Christ, teaching us a lesson that we should follow his steps. And Jesus said, Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. Today, we still use the simile saying, as meek as a dove so that's a lesson for us so the father also declared the sonship of jesus it's not that jesus did not know but it was said for the ears of those who were there and even for jesus himself because he was human even though he understood he was son of god before all this time he already understood it from the day of the passover he said to his father remember he said to his mother also wished he not that i'll be about my father's business what does that tell us? He knew he was the son of God. So that voice that said, you are the son of God, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, was for the ears of others. Jesus himself was in no doubt of it. But then, it was still a confirmation to him that he is the son of God. 
and for others who were listening blessed ears they were who heard those words so it's really important for us to understand these things and i know that there is a question that usually comes up about rebaptism because when we talk of baptism it may be in your mind when we read the book of acts chapter 19 verse 1 to 5 there was a rebaptism there so in case you are thinking about a rebaptism whether it is necessary whether rebaptism can be done yes it can be done if you need to now it says here in Acts 19 verse 1, it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul having passed through the upper coast came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. He said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what then were you baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they baptized the second time. You see, baptism is solemn and we should treat it as such. Jesus' prayer and uh, the way he behaved after he came out of that baptism in solemnity, it shows us what we are to do. You see, some people do not baptize. They've entered into water. They didn't baptize. They merely entered into water and came out. The people who baptized in John's baptism came there confessing their sins and repenting and denouncing their sins. Among the young today, baptism is not really a sign to show that we are sinners in, the, in need of repentance, but a sign to show how holy we are. For some people, that's what baptism is, to show that you are holy. And then to adults, they are ashamed of baptism because it shows how sinful they are. But none need attach any of these interpretations to baptism. Baptism means death to the world and a new life in Christ. Romans 6 reading from verse 1 tells us what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead in Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, died no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise reckon ye yourselves, that's when you baptize, to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin but yield yourselves unto god as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto god for sin shall not have dominion over you for you are not under the law but under grace amen
it is through baptism that we actually get our experience of being called the sons of God that we may be able to say behold what manner of love the father has been has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God baptism is the means of adoption into the family of God it is the blessing we are to cherish in Ephesians 1 verse 3 and downward Paul said blessed is the God and father of our lord jesus christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in christ for he chose us in christ before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love having predestined us unto the adoption of children by jesus christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will to the praise of the glory of his grace wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved in whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace wherein he had abounded towards us in all wisdom and prudence having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure that he has proposed in himself amen these passages i have read are to explain to us the meaning of baptism it is through baptism that we are adopted through jesus christ into the family of God and when we have baptized Romans chapter 6 tells us there is something that should take place we are not to allow sin to reign in our bodies because you are the son of God Christ dwells in you first John chapter 3 from verse 8 down and to 9 says that whosoever is born of God does not commit sin and baptism is the way that you go through that so there needs to be a work done we'll look at that in subsequent devotions but we should understand the ordinance of baptism is a blessing it's a blessing that we are not to be ashamed of. We are neither to use it as a means to show how holy we are or are we to use it as something that, oh, you say, oh, this person is a sinner. Look at him. He's going to baptize. Or look at her. She is going to baptize. If the Holy Spirit convicts you and you realize that when I baptized the first time, it was just an ordinary entering into water and coming out. I just did it out of some excitement or I didn't even confess my sins. I mean, in John's baptism, people were coming confessing their sins. How many were even conscious of their sins when they were going to baptize? Some people baptize just to be members of a church. So that it will be now that I'm a full member of this church. No confession of sin, no repentance, just entering to be a member of a church. Is that the reason for baptism? I don't see that in the word of God. It was for repentance of sin, to enter into an adoption of sons into the kingdom of God, to be a part of the family of God. If you see that you need to re-baptize, Please go ahead and do it and don't be ashamed of it. But then understand the meaning of it. We are dying to the world and resurrecting to newness of life so that we will live the life of Christ. And it is possible because God has made it possible that he will give us his spirit as he gave to his son. We will be adopted into the family and strength will be given to us like it was given to Jesus. Let us pray. Our dear Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the blessings you've bestowed on us through this lesson that we have learned right now. Thank you for the provisions that you have made, the ordinances you have set up to bring us into the kingdom of God, that we may be born of the spirit and of the water, that we may inherit your kingdom. Lord, we pray. Lord, is there anyone who needs that experience now i pray father that you convict the soul that they may be baptized into the kingdom of god by water and by spirit lord grant us of your spirit as you granted to your son adopt us into your family O lord we may have sinned against you lord we know that that has not 
that does not mean you reject us. We repent, Lord. We confess our sins today. As many as are confessing, Lord, we pray you forgive and accept us into your family once again. Thank you for hearing and answering our prayers, Lord. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. This message was brought to you by the angel with a strong voice, a ministry dedicated to preparing people to stand true to God and be ready for His imminent return. For more information and free online resources, please visit www.tawas.org That is www.tawasv.org or contact info at tawas.org Thank you.